The Fake Show podcast is brought to you by Hash House Agogo, the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, Brew City Brand Apparel, the Food Connection LV.com, and by Mr. Antenna. It's The Fake Show with Jim Tofty. Welcome to The Fake Show. I was reminded recently by a friend what an amazing book The Princess Bride was, you know, written by the great William Goldman, who was also responsible for Marathon Man and All the President's Men, to name a few. And a while ago, I had the opportunity to interview British actor Carrie Elwes, one of the stars of The Princess Bride. Carrie recently authored a book called As You Wish, Inconceivable Tales from the Making of The Princess Princess Bride, where he interviewed stars from the movie like Billy Crystal, Mandy Patinkin, Rob Reiner, and Robin Wright. This is one of my favorite movies. I know that it started out uh, kind of slow, The Princess Bride, did it not? They didn't really know what to do with it when it was released. Um, yes, the marketing department for the studio that was distributing the film had a very tough time figuring out how to sell the film because it was sort of a mishmash of genres. They didn't know which angle to push. Was it a fairy tale? Was it a comedy? Was it an action film, an adult film, a kid's movie? And in the end, they settled for the kid's movie angle, which, along with the title of the film, really kind of wasn't the best way to sell the film. No. (laughs) So (laughs) folks largely stayed away from it. And it wasn't until about a decade later when when the film came out in a new format called VHS that folks started renting it and then buying it and then giving it as gifts to friends and family and passing it down from generation to generation. And then the film really started taking on a life of its own. With Rob Reiner at the helm, and uh, I'm assuming that all you guys were fans of Monty Python, so there was such a big influence there. Well, we were fans, obviously, of Rob because, you know, he'd already shot This Is Spinal Tap, which yeah. had already become a cult classic, yeah? yeah? So Rob was on a roll, clearly, and uh, he'd put uh, Chris Guest in the film as one of the first people cast who played yeah. Nigel Tuffle in, in Spinal Tap. And um, yeah, no, Python definitely uh, was something we all loved and still love. So um, uh, that was definitely an influence to a degree. But for the most part, we just really were inspired by the incredible writing of Bill Goldman, who had toyed with this script for over a decade trying to get it made. And so it was a very tight script by the time we got our hands on it. And all Rob Reiner asked you and Mandy Patinkin to do was to stage the greatest sword fight in film history. Yeah, no, no pressure at all. Who had never picked up a sword before. Um, yes, he gave us the very best tutors available, though. We had these wonderful guys, Bob Anderson and, and Peter Diamond. Bob Anderson had been a, uh, an Olympic fan since Great Britain in the 50s, and Peter Diamond was a legendary uh, sword master and stuntman. And the two of them had uh, choreographed all the lightsaber sequences for Star Wars and worked with the likes of Burt Lancaster and Errol Flynn. I mean, they were amazing, amazing cues for us. I've seen the movie enough times to know that it didn't look like there were any stunt doubles used. No, except for the acrobatic sequence, which we added in the middle of shooting. We added the sequence where this, uh, we had this wonderful gymnast come in and do this, this leap around the bars, yeah? But other than that, it's just Mandy and me. Now, you had to play dead in one of the scenes where Billy Crystal basically is doing what amounted to a Yiddish stand-up routine. Stand-up. I just wonder how many outtakes, how many times it had to be cut that you couldn't contain your laughter. Oh, I mean, that what was supposed to be an hour of shooting took all day. Firstly, Uh, Billy was in character the moment he arrived on the set. 
I was supposed to be mostly dead and very still. Yes. Rob came up to me and, and said, um, hey, Gary, you got to stop breathing for the take because we can see your chest moving in the scene. And so he said, don't worry, we're not going to kill you. It's a short take. Fine, don't worry. And then he walked over to Billy and he whispered something in his ear and I didn't know what he whispered until later on I found out that he whispered, just go for it. Yeah. Not that Billy needed much encouragement because he was already in character. And as you say, he launched into, as soon as Rob yelled action, he launched into the three hours of Medi evil Yiddish stand-up, which slayed us all. I mean, uh, Rob, who has a very boisterous laugh, was banished from the set by the sound department um, because he was ruining, he was really ruining the take. So yeah. they put him in the hallway. And then, of course, me, I was the closest to him, and he's right over my face doing this stuff. And it's impossible when you're trying to keep still, listening to Billy to do improv, you know? And uh, I was the next one who was banished. So they replaced me with my rubber dummy. So in all the wide shots, that's a, that's amazing. That's a mannequin lying there. Yeah. And then Mandy bruised a rip, he said, trying to hold in his laugh. He said that's the only injury he sustained on the film. I love the story, Carrie, about uh, Andre the Giant, who drank so much, God bless him, after the first script reading that he passed out in the middle of the hotel lobby, but they couldn't move him because he weighed over 500 pounds, so they just roped him off. Yes. Um, Andre had, had quite an incredible appetite for drinking. He was in terrible pain, actually. People think he just drank for the sake of drinking. He drank to deal with the pain that he had terrible back problems from years of carrying around. He was actually about, I think he was about 450 pounds, somewhere around there, 450 wow. pounds. He'd taken the terrible, he told me he took a terrible punishment in the ring as well, because his opponents used to love jumping up and down on his back when he was on the canvas, bashing chairs for real on, the, on his neck. Wow. And he was due to have an operation when we when we finished shooting. And his doctors had asked him what they couldn't prescribe normal medication for a giant. They didn't know how much to give him. So they asked him what he normally did for pain, what he normally took, and he said, you know, that he drank. I think it's probably the only instance in which doctors <laughs> recommended that he that he drank in order to deal with the pain until the operation. He drank this drink called the American? It was a beer pitcher filled with every imaginable liquor you can think of. They let me taste it one time, and it was like, I mean, I've never tasted airplane fuel, but it tasted something what I imagined oh to be like. It was, uh, I coughed a lot. He laughed at that. He thought that yeah, was I'm sure. Well, and I heard that he could drink 100 beers in one sitting, which I guess doesn't sound that outrageous now. Yeah, they were like, I mean, you can go online, you can Google Andre the Giant and beer can, you can see it. It's like a little shot glass in his hand. It's just, you know, normal beer can is the size of, of a little glass. It's, it's unbelievable. Now, did you interview some of the other stars like Robin Wright and Wallace Shawn, some of the other people who were in the movie? I'm very blessed in that. I not only had a wonderful co-author, Joe Layden, but I also managed to get all my colleagues who I work with on the film, both front and behind the camera, to be part of the book. So yes, the book is, a, I think, the definitive book about the making of the film for fans because it's peppered with anecdotes from the rest of the cast and, and the director and the producers, from Andy Potemkin to Robin Wright and Billy Crystal, Chris Cast, Fred Savage, everybody. So it's a, it's, a, it's a really fun book. And before you go, I know, wasn't there talk originally that there was going to be a sequel, but it never was never done, obviously? Yes, Bill Goldman, the author, who wrote the book and the screenplay, tried to write a sequel. He included the chapters in the 25th anniversary edition of the book, and uh, he couldn't finish it. He was asked when we had our 25th anniversary screening, 
Like it said, he was asked by a fan on stage whether he was ever going to finish it. And uh, he got very emotional about it. He said, you know, he tried and he said it was the one thing he wanted to write more than anything he hadn't written, but he just couldn't lick it. He couldn't do it. So if he can't do it, I don't think there'll ever be one. It's called Buttercup's Baby if you want to find it. A brilliant idea to uh, do this book for all of us fans out here. I do appreciate you you, uh, joining us this morning. Thank you. Great to talk to you. My pleasure. All right, buddy. Thank Thank you. you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye now. Once again, Carrie's book is called As You Wish, Inconceivable Tales from the Making of the Princess Bride. It's available now on Amazon and at your favorite bookstore, and it's already on the New York Times bestsellers list, and I highly recommend that you check out the movie itself. It's great. Take the fake show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.